too You got a multi oak hat on top of your head And a southern pride tattoo Yeah, you might have drank a little brain alcohol Or hauled a little hay But if you think your boots got more dirt than mine I got one thing to say My town's smaller than your town And I got a bigger bugging bath on my wall Nation. 
Fit Nation. If you have not had the chance to check out our first book, 13 Step Guide to Success, it is available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. Pick it up. Let us know what you think. If you're a new listener, we appreciate you joining us. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and our YouTube channel, The Underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date on the latest episodes as they release. Uh, the Misfit Nation also allow you to hear the amazing stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is a personal development specialist who has worked as a behavioral coach for clients and top organizations all over the world. After two sudden unexplained cardiac arrests at a young age, he began to explore more different perspectives with clients that come with any profound life-changing event. If you're living, you're not dying. If you're living, you're dying, I'm sorry. It, it wasn't uncommon for him to teeter on unconsciousness even at times while working with a client, requiring him to prioritize his own energy and time masterfully and assistant clients to do the same. So without further ado, let's welcome Ryan Lindner to the Misfit Nation. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Rich. I'm glad you agreed to suffer through a little bit of this with us here on the Misfit <laughs> Nation and uh, share your story with the Misfit Nation as they, they sit here and uh, as the audience does here, uh, a military family here, Ryan. Uh, he's uh, in hostile territory, but he's doing great things for their God and country up there. And uh, uh, thanks again for taking your time. If you don't mind taking a few minutes here to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your journey and how you came to where you are now. Yeah, uh, I'd love to. So um, I was a behavioral coach for many years. Um, I've always enjoyed just uh, helping people see things a different way. Um, I specialize more in transitions. So people who are um, leaving a career, such as the military, retiring, kind of helping them with that, helping them see their blind spots. So um, we're looking at their personal habits, um, their communication, uh, you know, maybe a big life event, and I'm helping them get through those things. I did about 6,000 sessions for the military, actually. Wow. So for, for many years, I, I did um, sessions for the military. Um, so I don't take individual clients uh, so much anymore, but I do a lot of group stuff now. Um, I do a lot of educational programs, webinars things like that. And it's really uh, all designed to help people, uh, again, see those blind spots. I've had counselors, psychologists, military leaders, all kinds of people as, as clients. And my job is to help them uh, see themselves a little bit better so they can uh, be at their best. 
awesome. And that's a, a lot of clients to have helped, especially yeah. in the, the bustling uh, military world. I'm sure transition is a huge problem within the, the veteran community. And not really that it's a problem to get out because you know you're getting out as soon as you, you join the military, but how you yeah. act when you take those boots off the last time, that's really is a paramount to how your success will be on the next uh, few days, few years of your life as you move forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, and I've seen this. Um, one, one thing I do is I track a lot of patterns um, and, and am involved with uh, a lot of studies as well. And one thing I've seen, especially with the military is, you know, someone will be in the military 20 years plus, um, and it, it's very difficult. You know, it's a lifestyle, right? So when you leave that lifestyle, it's very hard to say, you know, well, well, who am I now? You know, um, I was this soldier for many years. That's who I was. That was my identity. And, you know, a lot of soldiers I've worked with have felt like that loss of identity a little bit. Um, and they don't know where to go from there. And, and it's not just in the military. I've seen it across all different industries where people, um, they thought they were a role and it turns out they're a lot more than that. And, uh, and that's, that's why I think, you know, working with the military is so near and dear to my heart and, and uh, helping people specifically through those types of retirements, because they think they're that role. And um, they just, they kind of have an identity crisis of sorts when they, when they get out. And I've seen it a lot of people like me, when I got out, it was like, what do I do with my hands? After I did it for 22 years, because you do the same thing repetitively for 22 years and turn it you get it's hard to turn that switch off right away so i took a whole year off to to find my my purpose again in life and and do do things better for me and my family after that year of just basically letting go and uh, becoming a different person after that year yeah and one thing that i i work with clients a lot on is um they feel like um you know, after, after being so long in, in the military or, or really in any profession, um, what, what I've seen in general is that people don't often see uh, their lives. They don't often see themselves until they go through a trauma of some sort. So what I mean by that is most people, you know, go throughout their day-to-day, -day, their to-do lists, their, you know, they get super busy and, um, usually it takes a trauma for them to really have that really uh, real look at their lives and what they're doing with it. So um, someone goes through something big, like a, a, a medical scare, like I had um, a car accident, something like that. And what does a trauma do? It pulls you into the moment. And that's where people really go through that self-reflection. And um and certainly in my case, you know, I had a, a couple of cardiac arrests and I was actually working with clients uh, at that time. So you, you see your time, you see your identity differently when you go through something like that. Definitely. And uh, I'm sure having two of them happen to you at a young age. Yeah. One, one it's unexpected uh, at a young age. It's uh, statistically not a, a uh, expected thing to happen, but when it happens once, you know, okay, that's, that's weird twice. And you come out of it both times. That was almost like a sign that you need to take care of you better, but also show how you're taking care of yourself to help others. Yeah. And I think, 
when, when you go through something like that, you realize you're not a role. And, uh, you know, I would be literally hooked to all these heart devices and with wires. And I would sometimes be, um, in a session with a client. I did mostly vir a lot of virtual sessions. And, um, I remember just, you know, being hooked to all these things and problems sound different when you go through something like that, right? You're, you're, um, what's worth your time and energy. It just, you, you just look at it differently. Right. And, and you realize you're, you're not a title, you're not a role and, you know, you reevaluate your life, you reevaluate, uh, what you're doing with your time. Uh, so, you know, after that happened, I really dedicated a lot of my, what I did to, uh, busyness, you know, helping people sort of get unstuck and, um, you know, they, they, most people come to me who are just, just so overwhelmed, stressed, maybe, you know, they have kids, a career they're juggling, all kinds of things. And they come to me a lot to help them sort of get out of that rut and, and, and find a way to, to uh, move forward. Definitely. And uh, as we, we spoke about transitioning, we spoke about getting through a, a traumatic event. And then a lot of times people are reinventing themselves at that point. What's the best way for them to become more attractive as they are moving into a professional or even their personal life? Well, I think they, first they have to realize that they're a person, not roles. And people can feel that, you know, people, you know, I think regardless of what direction they go in, they go in, you know, a different career. They're, they're just trying to improve their lives in general. It's to, um, it's having boundaries, um, not losing themselves in, you know, in constant doing like to-do lists and, and, you know, losing themselves in those things. I think it's about, yeah, again, it's really about boundaries and, um, realizing that none of that, a lot of what we do day to day, it, it doesn't matter in the end, not a bit, not a bit. And you can't see it now but you will, you will. And it might be at the end of your life. It might be after a traumatic event like I had, but things will look differently down the road. Um, you know, I had a client once who was a, uh, a military reservist getting ready to retire. And uh, she was also a, a student finishing up school. She also worked full time. And as she retired from the military and finished school, she found herself, you know, with, a lot of these sort of existential changes where um, she's, she didn't know who she was anymore, you know, and um, we had to really work together on, uh, on really having those boundaries because what most people do is the busyness is something that sort of creeps up on you um, as if without your knowing, right? I mean, the most common excuse I, I hear people for not accomplishing their goals is life happened, right? They got busy. They, um, and you know, we, we, and I said this earlier, we can't see ourselves and we don't realize that busyness is nothing more than just a series of little micro decisions about what's worth our time. And so I work with a lot of people on, on boundaries, on looking at what's really a priority um, and helping them get unstuck. So it's kind of like the trying to give them guidelines to set up better uh, personal habits as they move through their 
their days, their weeks, their life, and the, to make things better and, of course, stay out of their own way. Exactly. And again, most people can't see themselves. And that's why, you know, I've had a lot of um, even counselors, psychologists, all kinds of people um, as clients. And I realized, you know, we're, we're all just human. We're all just human. We're trying to figure it out. Uh, and I think busyness tends to snowball, you know, so, you know, from day to day life, we tend to collect things that make our, our stress, our busyness more uncomfortable. And we don't realize that busyness, again, is really just decisions. It's just a series of choices that you made about what's worth your time. And again, that looks very different at the end, but we, you know, we, we don't know it. We, we, we don't know it. Um, a lot of clients I've had just thought they were so overwhelmed with, with, uh, um, with their goals, with their lives and change is going to take getting out of your comfort zone. It's going to take courage. It's going to take making big choices and not a lot of people are ready to make those types of choices. Definitely. A lot of people don't like to uh, find themselves uncomfortable or outside their, their comfort zone, as you said. So if they have to try something new, it really gets them into a, a bad way. So, I, I mean, there's different types of people, of yeah. course. Everyone has different lifestyles. What would you tell an introvert about simple ways to come across more confident? And on the other side, what would you tell an extrovert to not sound overconfident now a lot of my clients wouldn't guess this but i am a hardcore introvert um now when i'm in sessions you know I'm, i tend to be upbeat and i try to be you know motivational they, they would never guess this but i think for an introvert it it there, there's a, a lot of pressure for an introvert to feel like they shouldn't be that way or they um they need to change that about themselves a lot of introverts I've worked with have gone through that, like, ah, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel quiet, I feel timid, and as if there's something wrong with that. So I have found through working with a ton of introverts is once you make it okay, you'll be okay. Once you make being introverted nothing to be ashamed of, once you own it, that's when it sort of dissipates a little bit. So for me, I think just, again, just embracing it, you know, some of the best leaders are introverts. There's so many strengths that come with being an introvert. Um, I, I've known a lot of introverts. They, they think things through very clearly, um, often very analytical. Uh, they are often soft-spoken and they are uh, often great listeners they have a lot of qualities that make them great leaders. And so my advice to anyone who's an introvert is really just to own it and stop making it something that's wrong with you. Stop uh, wishing that you were different. Um, and I think once you make it okay, some of that anxiety decreases and suddenly you can be more confident with other people. So I would say top three or four things to do. Number one is own it, uh, make it okay, uh, slow down. You know, when a lot of people are nervous, they tend to go real fast and they fidget a lot. And I would say, slow down, um, be present in your words and stop 
you don't owe anyone apology for being who you are. And um, I think, again, once you make it okay, and you, you slow down, and you're deliberate about it, I think you come across more confident. Definitely. And, that, and how about the person who's an extrovert who is forthcoming right away? How do you make them not sound overconfident? I think the, the best thing an extrovert can do is um, allow others to feel heard. And so maybe with every communication, they have a pause. And there's a, a model I work with a lot of clients on. And the first thing you do is when, when in any interaction, you're going to pause. You let the other person get it all out. You let them fully vent, fully finish what they have, what they have to say. And if you do that, if you can just pause for just a moment, they are going to listen to you more when you start to speak uh, rather than each person speaking over the other. Uh, and other things, so listening for sure, that, that pause. Another easy thing they can do is to validate what the other person's saying. So that's really just reflecting it back to them and using what I call connector statements, which is really just empathy. And to give you an example, so you pause, you let the other person, you know, finish speaking or whatnot. And then you, oh man, I remember, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. I totally understand how you feel. Um, I totally get that. So you want to just say something simple like that, that's going to let the other person know they've been heard, just reflect it back to them. And by doing that, um, you're, you're going to, sometimes the most confident person uh, is, is the quietest one in the room. You know, they, they, there's just an aura about them. Uh, some of the best leaders I've ever seen, they have, you know, you can just tell when they walk in a room. And they've got not what I call uh, prove it energy. And, and they, they don't need to prove anything, right? It's just this feeling. Uh, so they're not necessarily the most extroverted, the most confident, you know, the most talkative person ever. Um, so for an extrovert, I think just, yeah, slowing down, take that pause and just be in that moment. And you will come across more confidently. Definitely. And I always, I like to tell people to listen to hear instead of listen to speak. So that way, like you said there, they have yeah. the natural pause between me and you speaking and or whoever you're speaking with, and you actually absorb what they're saying before you automatically have something to say as they're speaking, like you referenced earlier, talking over each other, and then you wind up in, no one really gets anything across because no one's really confidently listening to each other. You're right, and we aren't used to those types of interactions. I mean, uh, we're not used to those real genuine interactions, Um, and I'm sure this is, you know, I've told this story a whole bunch of times, but this happens to people every single day where a lot of the way we communicate is just an automatic knee jerk reaction. So for most people, what happens when you go, you know, this morning they went to the gas station or they went to the coffee shop or whatever, what's the first thing they did? Well, they probably passed someone and said, how are you? Right. And the other person, what do they say? They say, good, you really fast. It's not a real answer, right? It's just there. It's a pleasantry almost. Good. How are you? Good. You? 
it's not a real interaction. Or what, what else do they say? They say stuff like, not too bad. And if we think about those types of automatic reactions, because that's what those are, those are just reactions. We're not present in those moments. Uh, if you think about that response, not too bad, that's interesting to me. So you're bad, you're just not too bad. Too bad. <laughs> or they say stuff like hanging in there or... Um, it's Monday, like mo being Monday is a terrible thing, you know, and most people are, again, they don't mean anything bad or anything, you know, they, they don't have bad intentions, but they don't realize how they're coming across. It, we're not used to those real interactions. We're used to transactions. So most people are very transactional. And a good way to be, another way to be more confident, it's gonna require being present in the moment, but it's really, um, you can't be transactional. You've gotta be interactional. So imagine if someone asked you, how, how are you doing? And, and you gave them a real answer. Most people would look at you funny, like, you know, especially if it was, a, I'm doing terrible, today's terrible. They would look at you like, oh, I'm sorry I asked you. <laughs> but, um, some people, um, what, what I like to say is when someone asks me how I'm doing, I give them a real answer. Now, yeah, I don't tell them I'm having a terrible day, but I try to give somewhat of a real answer. And if I ask someone how they're doing I, or how they are, I, I mean to ask and I'm prepared to, to get a real response. And just saying something differently People can feel that. People can feel that. You know, it's like that saying, um, people don't always remember what you say, but they always remember how you make them feel. And when you are um, interactional, again, people can feel it. I've had thousands and thousands of sessions. These little subtle changes that you make, people, um, they're starved of it. They're starved of that real interaction. Definitely. And over the last uh, two years, as the whole world went through lost interaction or face-to-face -face interaction, I shall say, yeah, since the, the social climate was kind of cut off by, by, by what was going on in the world, still going on now, they kind of lost that interaction or the inner, inner, a, inability to interact with others live because they didn't know what to do, especially I've seen it with a lot of uh, youth right now, middle school, high school, who lost those two years of actual having social interaction, then they all of a sudden go back to school and have no idea how to act in, in that kind of setting. And now they're having all kinds of troubles readjusting to that lifestyle. And I'm sure it's happening with adults as well. Those who were working from home and all of a sudden, all right, you got to go back to work. It's hard to actually get back into that break room or get back into a meeting and, and just try to sit back, relax, and listen to one person speak without trying to get your voice heard since it hasn't been heard for a couple of years. It is hard, and I, I've, I've said that as well. I think it's just a people have had to um, redefine how they communicate. And you know, I've I've always I've been using Zoom and all those things for a long time. But for a lot of people, it's just a, a totally different way to communicate. And I think the most common thing I've seen is, you know, we're using other methods of communication. Um, what you pay attention to changes. In other words, you have to pay more attention to things like tone. Um, for a long time, 
some sessions I did were, were, weren't even on camera. So they were just over the phone. And so you would have to really listen in and kind of read between the lines with people and have a really high emotional intelligence to really understand where they were coming from. And so you could connect with them. So you could connect to them. And I think when people are reaction, reactive, in other words, what we were saying at the beginning, like they're so busy and they're, you know, they, they're, they're just not present. And they're, some people go their whole lives and don't know what it's like to, to have uh, a real interaction because their whole lives were just this automatic, you know, reactive type of existence. Definitely. And a lot of, a lot of those reactions are, they throw people off that are actually looking for an answer and then they kind of get that blown off look. And so they just go on with their day thinking, dang, that guy really must've been having a real bad day. He had that automatic response to me that kind of was weird. And I didn't really know what to say at that point. So I just left and left him wallowing and whatever was going on with them. People can tell if you hear, if, if, uh, you know, you're listening or, you know, uh, everyone just wants to be heard, you know? And I think, when, when you allow that for other people and you allow them to be heard, um, that's where relationships come from. And uh, they might not be able to put their finger on it, but they, they feel it. And um, that's what I, I teach a lot of big groups too and organizations and help them kind of shift their communication. And when you look at leaders, um, I always view leaders in leadership management are two very different things but um i've seen this in military i've seen it in uh, big companies as well is leaders don't have uh, the bad ones don't have the ability to uh, do what we're talking about which is to have to 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 treat people like people and not roles not you know um they, they seek to learn more beyond that. And you've got to have that presence in order to, to do that. Definitely, you got to make sure you're present in the moment when you're talking to someone that really helps out a lot. Like even if it's just at a dinner, be present, be there, look at them, look them in the eye, uh, look up when you're walking instead of looking at your phone, be present in your situations. Things, little, little, little hacks can get you through life like that. To, just little things to make things a little better for you and for those around you being a good human, and that'll help things out a lot. Uh, Ryan, you brought up a lot of great tips and tidbits here. How does someone get in contact with you to learn more, to get maybe their their office in line with you to learn better ways to hack the office communication? Sure. Um, you can check out my website. It's uh, R.S. Lindner, my last name, L-I-N-D-N-E-R, rslindner.com, and um, uh, halfknownlifebook.com also. Uh, there's some information on both of those websites. Um, there's links to my book, my social media. They they can go to any of those places on on the site. So, okay, and I'll put all those. In, I'll put all those in the show notes so that they can click easily, so they don't have to go hunting. And uh, it's it's been great having you on here. Thanks for taking some of your time to okay. share your story and your and your knowledge with the Misfit Nation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Have a good night. You too. Turn that bottle up and drag it, crank that jukebox up and hack it. Bartender, pour another round. Here's to our best bad decisions, situational conditions, old oh, memories we all need to drown. 
So fill your cup, raise it up Jump in, join the club And float this whiskey river reservoir We're gonna spend the weekend In the deep end of a dive bar Cause up in here you're not the only love That left her lost and lonely One who's ever swam against the tide Thank you, it's the safest of places that a broken heart can find a high. So here's a toast, coast to coast, with a big old adios. Two wishes wasted on them falling stars. We're gonna spend the weekend in the deep end of a dive bar. Yeah, it's just chapter after chapter of happy never after, but that's just the way the story goes. For some bar stool believers, wear our heart out on our sleepers. Just go and wear the neon glows. Yeah, it's just chapter after chapter. Happy never after, but that's just the way the story goes. Yeah, we're just never quite belongers, hanger oners, way too longers. Just buzzing where the neon glows. We've all got them, let them sink down to the bottom. Doesn't matter who or where you are. We're gonna spend the weekend in the deep end. The water's fine, y'all, so just come on. Hope you enjoyed that. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in the industry of music, in the arts. Have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Nation.
Thousand people, maybe 